You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress here in the Chris Ferrara Podcast Studio. We have to say his name because if not, I think he's going to be mad and he'll be bothering me over and over and over He's going to walk in with Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think he did this morning. (laughs) And for those who don't know who Chris Ferrara is, we really haven't talked about him lately either. Uh Um, But he was... uh, one of our stress coaches, and um, he was, I say, murdered in the line of duty. because It was. It wasn't killed. He was murdered in uh, April of 2001. Gosh, it seems like just 2001. Huh? Uh, 21, sorry. <laughs> hey, old and chemo brain people. Now I know I'm going to hear from him. <laughs> 2021. And uh, we named the podcast studio after him because he was actually my co-host yeah. at the time. and. Boy, has the program grown and moved, and he would love this podcast studio. We just had a softball tournament, our second annual Chris Ferrar softball tournament. And, uh, yeah, fire won again. Damn, PD, y'all got to step those, it up, boys. Those damn girls. slab savers. I'm telling you. <laughs> she <and Nelly. laughs> At least it was Chandler. It was. It was. And we do have to brag on them since they're one of ours. Right. Uh, but they beat Tom's Tempe PD. <laughs> <I know>. Yeah. <laughs> Your boys let you down, Tom. Yeah. They were doing good until the last two innings, and then they just kind of fell I'm apart. I'm pretty sure Tom had money on it because I saw him sweating on the side. <laughs> but did you bet... <clears throat> Against them. (laughs) (laughs) That tells us a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, anything new with you, Joel? Um, I'm 33 now. As of when? Did we miss his birthday? No, right now. Today? Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, Joel. Do we? (laughs) Thank you. These are all my fans. Wow, yeah. the big three-three. Look yeah. at you growing up. Gosh, <laughs> you know what? He may actually be able to go on a date now. <laughs> we might let you. I don't know. I'm still debating on it. And we're 50 days out from a cruise. Some of us are going to be going on. Yep. This is going to be interesting to see who comes back alive. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'm just not sure about everybody else who's going. <laughs> Unless you go snorkeling. <laughs> and if you take my hammock on the beach, we're going to have a problem. We're going to be fighting. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Anything new? No, nothing new. Um, got a grandbaby that's going to be coming in March. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Boy or girl? A boy. Oh, boy. Here? Yeah, here. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, I see trouble brewing there. <laughs> Set of drums is all I can say for the hey. for the first birthday. <laughs> It, or or at least payback. maybe the second. But hey. Yeah. <laughs> By the second birthday, yeah. they will have perfected it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, that's payback for my son when he used to play the electric guitar. There you go. Absolutely. You remember all those things, don't you? No, no doubt. Well, we have a very special guest today that's somebody that's near and dear to me that I had the honor of meeting Back in December, up in Yakima, Washington, we had this conversation, (laughs) and I believe we had a friend of his own right before I went to Yakima. 
And, she did. Uh, yeah, and uh, he told me all about <laughs> Derek Perez, Sergeant, Sergeant. Talked a little smack. Yeah, talked a lot of smack. Uh, so here is your opportunity to get even today. We always give people that opportunity. And uh, But Derek, welcome to the show. We're honored to have you here and glad uh, that you could uh, join us here at 8 o'clock in the morning, your time. And you said yes, the weather, time. the weather ain't too good. So I'm sure you would have liked to have slept in. No, I'm usually I'm usually up by about five thirty six o'clock, so we're we're pretty good. So all right, well, good. Well, thanks again for coming on and spending time with us. You want to spend the first part of this bashing your friend or telling us all the <laughs> the, the stuff he did wrong? Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. I, he he is a he is a friend that will be a friend for probably the rest of my life. He's he's helped my family out immensely with things, and he's just. JJ's a solid, solid guy, and he's yeah. he's he's a friend, true friend. So well, and his mission of what he's doing there in Tennessee, I, I I'm not going to bash him because I want to go hang out on his <laughs> however many acres he's got with all his dogs and take my dog with me, and she may not come home, she may stay with him, but uh, yeah, he he we enjoyed having him on, and it, I just got so tickled because everybody I've met now, I to be honest, I'd never heard of Yakima until y'all reached out to me, and now everybody. Mission trips mm -hmm. have been done there. I, I'm like, how did I miss out on this place for all these years? You just thought it was like a car carrier place, right? <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but <laughs> I tell you, we did have fun, and I got to see snow, and they were laughing because <laughs> it really wasn't snow to them, but it was snow to me. Right. <laughs> Being in Arizona doesn't and, take much. Well, in the south, and yeah. you know, every break I'd, I'd run to the door. <laughs> And you see a few flakes falling. I'm like, it's snowing. <laughs> sure it is, Susan. There was enough to see on the ground, though. But all right, Derek, so tell us about you and how you got to where you wasn't are. wasn't much snow. <laughs> it wasn't much snow, <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, so tell us all about your background and how you no, got in law no. enforcement. Um, I started back in uh, 1996 as uh, when I got my first taste of the job. I, le I left college and was kind of wandering around and didn't quite know where to go and I remember my mom pulled me aside she's like hey go check out this school here in Rapid City where, where I grew up and walked in the door and the first day the first minute I walked in the door I knew that's where I belonged and I kind of found my place there um, it's Western Dakota Technical Institute and it, it's in Rapid City South Dakota I graduated there uh, in 98 um, after I left there I went to work for the National Park Service uh, seasonally as a park law enforcement ranger and uh, EMT for different parks. Uh, I worked over at Devil's Tower, Mount Rushmore, and uh, Grand Tetons. <laughs> During that neat. time, it was it was those are some of the most prettiest. Those are the prettiest places you'll yeah. ever you'll ever get to work. But there's not a lot of excitement, and that's kind of what I was looking for. Um, a friend of mine that I had met um, at Western Dakota Tech was from Yakima, um, and he had called me and said, "Hey, you should come out here and work." So I finished up my bachelor's degree in Shatter, Nebraska. Um, moved out west, um, hooked up with him, and I'm here since. Uh, I started to work with the uh, the Yakima Nation Police Department. Um, when I got here, went to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, um, graduated from there, came back to work, worked about three years, and then I got assigned to our narcotics unit. Um, I was still an EMT then. Um, I worked on the unit there, and uh, I was also a canine handler, and then we were uh, one of the first members of our CERT team or a marijuana team that goes around the state. I left there in 2008 and went to the Toppenish Police Department, continued doing patrol work as a handler. 
Um, and then I left there in 16, came here to the sheriff's office um, and been here since. I got promoted here about mm, three years ago now. And and I have to I have to say this, the sheriff there. We were talking about this before going on air. The sheriff is one of the most amazing people I have met in law enforcement at the top of the food chain. He truly cares about his people. Um, and again, like I was telling y'all, I've had very few sheriffs, chiefs, heck, even commanders <laughs> yeah. uh, that sit through an entire eight-hour training or even show up to try to sit through even a four-hour training. And uh, Bob was there with his wife day one, stayed the whole eight hours. And I had to laugh because at one point I said something about probably about lunchtime. And I said, so are you coming back? He goes, oh, heck, yeah. He goes, you're quite entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I love you. But he is he is a true leader. There are so many who could learn from him. We talk about Mark Lamb being a true leader, right. and uh, there's just not a lot of others that, that I can say that about, but he certainly is one of them. I could I will definitely agree with that. Um, working for the sheriff's office has, has been my uh, – it's been a goal for the long, a longest time to get here, and it's really hard because they don't lose a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um but the leadership style that's there currently is very uh, it's very much for the guys that work there and it's passed down through his, his chief all the way down through his lieutenants especially and then uh, on to a sergeant who so we just kind of push it out from there so yeah they laughed at very me fortunate to be here because I, in the opening i didn't again didn't know anything really about yakima and i got up and i was like do i need to be woke and politically correct in here and <laughs> i thought they were all going to take out their guns and shoot me <laughs> it was like uh no and the sheriff was the main one who goes absolutely not <laughs> oh this is going to be fun but it truly was some of the most fun training i have done because of the interaction that's good and that's when you know that people really do care when management and people even like like derek at the sergeant level want things for their people and that's the exciting part and uh, as we were talking also before the show it looks like we are also going to be the stress coaches for the deputies and their families at Yakima. And so that's something that we're excited about. This first time we've really done out-of-state, contracted with someone out-of-state. And that, you know, we'll say thank you to COVID for that because that's what really opened the door for Zoom and uh, be able to do that type thing. So it's it's really broadened the horizons here. So we're excited about working with them. And I'm hoping I'll be back up there doing some training sometime this year because it it really was that that much fun. Yeah, Make sure you're up here when it's nice. Which is when? It's been, it's been so, we've been socked in with fog here for about the last three weeks. All right. So when is it? Uh, nice? I would, if, <laughs> uh, April, May, it starts to get really nice. And then it's it's really nice all the way through. Yeah. So summertime when it sucks here would be a good time to be in Yakima, Washington, is what you're telling yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, well I'll, I'll note that on the calendar. <laughs> so, you know, and one of the things that I guess I was surprised about when I did, when, and I don't even remember now who it was that reached out to me about coming up there, but a lot of violence up there, and, and the deputies had been exposed to a whole lot of situations, shootings and things. Um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty active place for y'all. It's very, it's very active, and and I don't know what that attribute uh, that's going to attribute to, but we've had recent changes in case law, and it's 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 shifted way, 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 way 
um, left to the point where where they 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 basically just tied her hands. Um, but now it's kind of shifting back. So I think when once we're seeing that shift coming back is when we see the violence is starting to uptake. And mm-hmm. I I remember when I started years ago, I, I maybe knew one or two guys that have been in shootings, maybe mm-hmm. tops. Now I can't. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happens. It just happens so much. Um, last year we had. I must say we had five last year, and I and I know for for our community that's that's huge because it's sure. we're we're not a, a ginormous huge area. It's we're a smaller area, but um, this year we've had one so far. We had one here about three weeks ago, hmm. um, but it's just con- it's just continuous. And um, for us specifically, for myself and Caleb, who you met, um, our squad was hit last year really really hard mm-hmm. um, with those shootings that we had. Two guys that got ambushed. Um, one guy was one of our guys was involved in a in a shooting down in the uh, Grandview area. Um, and then Caleb and two of the other guys that are on our squad were involved in one as well. It's just it's just and it's just con- it just seems to be constant. But that's just ours. But then we've got other agencies that are involved with them as well, like City of Yakima, the State Patrol. I mean, they're all, we're all getting hit. Usually, it's just a few here and there, but it's it's it seems to be over the board, just consistently bad with it when it comes to shootings and they're very very um they're not uncommon anymore that's unfortunate yeah and you know one of the things i don't even know that we talked about when i was up there but because a lot of yakima the county is on the reservation right correct okay but the reservation do they like here um salt river and those they have their own police departments Yes, they have um, the Yakima Nation has a the tribal police department there, and I was very very fortunate enough to work for for them for about eight years, and that's those those guys gave me my roots in this valley, and um, I hold a lot of those relationships very near and dear to my heart. And some of the friends that I was with when I first came here, I'm still friends with them today, but they um, they see a lot of it too. They've been involved in shootings as well. Okay, that's what I was going to ask: is if they were having the same. They have the they have the exact they deal with the same clientele that we do, mm-hmm. um, and it's across the board. They have them. They have them as well. So, so, are you guys like dual certified? Since part of the county is on the uh, tribal nation too, that you, you um, can enforce both. Yes. Yeah, so currently, we have we carry um, some of us have SLAC cards, so we're we are commissioned through the government. Okay. Uh, through the BIA, um, we're trying to get that process a little bit more up to, up up to par so everybody's covered because there's some there's some legalities that that go into that that mm-hmm. that uh, get a little bit confusing. Right. So. Well, yeah, and I taught for the state uh, police in Wyoming quite a few years back, and I remember when they were taking me around and showing me everywhere, and they were talking about the reservation that uh, the BIA. Um, they would rather the the residents there on the reservation would rather local police come in than the BIA. Is that the case? Because I don't think that's the case here. I don't ever hear anything here about the BIA yeah. at all. No. Uh, and I didn't. Re- I dealt with the BIA some in Oklahoma when I did some training over there for the Eastern Shawnee Tribe. But uh, is that the case in Washington? Mm, no, not at all. Um, I, we the tribe the tribe that's here. Um, they work in conjunction with us and our relationships are very, very tight. 
Um, and those are the ones we re we rely upon each other pretty much. Um, and if we have an issue, we we work very well together. Um, how how to big is their agency, the tribal agency? You know, that's grown over the years. I'm going to say they're, and I don't quote me in this, but I'm going to say they're probably pushing 30. Okay. So about half the size of what? Mm -hmm. And is 60, is that fully staffed or how short-handed are y'all? No, we're extremely short-handed. Um, 60 is is short. Um, back years ago, I remember they were, they were running anywhere between 75 or, or, or above. So we're short, just short, just like everybody else is. And hard. it's hard to find people to work, hard to find people that are qualified candidates mm -hmm. to even get in. But in um, Washington, was funding cut? Um, for us, no. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not sure why we just kept trickling down mm -hmm. um, manpower. I mean, that, that that would be a question, obviously not for me, but maybe for our commissioners to talk about. But um, I have no clue okay. on that one. So. Well, I know that there's a place that you and I talked about I had never heard of before um, that is kind of near and dear to you. And it's something that I really do want to promote because when we find places like you have described this, uh, you know, we need to make sure first responders and military and families know about it because there are so many bad experiences right. for people trying to seek treatment, whether it's for substance uh, and trauma. And I, again, it drives me crazy when some of the substance abuse treatment centers for first responders, they'll only treat substance abuse and then they don't want to treat the trauma. And I go, you don't have substance abuse without trauma. It's, it ain't a neither or. <laughs> you can have trauma without substance abuse, um, but it, you're never going to have substance abuse without trauma. I, I'm sorry. And if, if they want to come on here and explain to me how you can, I'd love to hear it. But any place that we can find, and that's why I was so excited that Derek would uh, talk to us about this on the air, because, uh, again, we can sell it. We've never been there. But when someone will actually vocalize it, talk about it, it, it carries so much more weight. Mm -hmm. So over over the years, um, trauma has become just pretty much part of our, as, as any cop's life, it's, it just becomes part of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it becomes as a garbage can. Remember, you talked about a garbage can when we were in class. So when we start, our garbage cans are empty, right? And we, we get all these experiences and we're moving and moving and moving and constantly moving. And over the years, that can starts to fill. And for me, um, it started to fill, I would say, probably around that I can think back to about year five. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I really paid attention to. Um, I just thought, man, this is the job. This is fun. This is great. We're just moving and we're having a good time as the best, the, the best job that I could ever think of having. Um, but over the years, um, those, those experiences and those traumas start to pile up. And then with age, you start to be able to relate with people that you're dealing with as well mm -hmm. and their trauma. So you're starting to see trauma on top of trauma. Um, for me, I, I've been in, in two officer involved shootings myself, um, the first one was in 2011 and the last one was in 2007, 16 or 17 when I was at the sheriff's office. Um, the first one rocked me pretty good, but the treatment that I got from the agency at the time um, was, I'll just say, poor. Um, back to work in four days, no offering for counseling, and they just push you through and, you know. And that is what it is. They're talking, they're looking at manpower, they're looking at all of these other issues, and they're not looking at the person as a whole, right? They're mm -hmm. looking at 
you as just somebody else that if I'm gone the next day and I go on to do something else, they're going to have somebody else just take my place, right? It's like a broken toy. Just how throw quickly? It away and we'll get a new one, right? Yeah, but how quickly were you cleared of the shooting by the county attorney or whoever the governing body was to investigate it? Uh, I think that one was that one was probably a couple months. It wasn't long. Um, ours here are, are, don't take a whole long, t- not a real long time to get processed through. Um, the last one I had, I, I'm going to say it was, I was back to work within a month, but the treatment that I, that I got from the agency that I'm currently with, with the sheriff's office was 10 times better than anything I had received in the past. Um, and I, I took that to heart and I try to pass, I'm going to try to pass that down as, as I get older here at the sheriff's office. But back to the trauma portion of that, when you get that, when you start piling that trauma on top of trauma and you're not, and you're not having the tools to deal with it, um, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought over the years, you know, I, I'm, I'm different than everybody else. Cause I just don't, I just don't. It is what it is, right? I just keep pushing through. Um, I don't feel, but that's part of me not feeling as part of the trauma as well. <laughs> um, this year, um, I had two guys that I that are very near and dear to me. Um, they were both ambushed on a call uh, August 1st of this year. Um, and for me to even talk about that now is, is, is a good thing because I couldn't speak of it um, August, September, October till about the end of October. But they, uh, they were ambushed on a call. One was shot, got shot up pretty good. Um, is deputy Watkins and then, uh, deputy Wilkinson is just a young guy that was with us as that's on our team as well. Um, they both, they got through it. Um, deputy Watkins is missing a couple fingers. His hips beat up pretty bad. Um, we're very, very fortunate to, to have them both, but the trauma that went with that for me, I mean, they've got, they're going to have their own trauma stuff as well, but the trauma that, that stuck with me the most is the, the lack of control over the situation. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to more people about trauma, they never say anything about uh, things that come full circle. I think we mm-hmm. talked about that in your class. When things come full circle, the trauma is not necessarily, it's there, but it's not as bad because there's a completion to it, right? Sure. This one, there's no, there was no completion for me because I wasn't there to help. And I felt a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, all of those things. And I got, I remember getting home that, that morning, I got home about eight o'clock in the morning and I walked in the house and I'm, and it was, it was just a weird feeling because my whole body was just completely numb. And I'd never felt that before. Hmm. Um, feeling that I'm like, ah, I just don't know. I, I talked to my wife, we sat down, we chit chatted a little bit and I'm thinking I'll just process through like the, the last one I we just had, we literally just had this happen, not that same situation, but something similar a couple months prior to that. But, uh, I just couldn't shake it like before and it was just sticking it like it was stuck and I couldn't get it. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, was, my mind was foggy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had short fuse, all of those things were coming in I, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I couldn't get, and I just couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't shake it. So fortunately for me, um, I've got, I've got two bosses that, that are very good. One in particular pulled me aside and, uh, said, Hey, why don't you think about going to this place and just dumping that, just get rid just go to this place called deer hollow. And, uh, it's a good place. We've had other people that have went there. Um, I know there's some folks here in Yakima that have been there that I personally, that I know that I've worked with. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, but it, the, the, 
garbage can was was overflowing and i i didn't i didn't know it was for, that was completely foreign to me because we've been able to always push through stuff like that mm-hmm. so finally uh, me and my wife had sat down and my daughter um my youngest daughter was getting ready to go off to college so i'm like hey let's just uh let's get this taken care of let's get her off to school get her tucked away and then then i'll, I'll just go well <laughs> we got her off to school got her tucked away and i and i decided to go and i will be quite honest with you that was the hardest thing mm-hmm. that I've ever had to do. So if if there's anybody out there that's looking at having to go to a place like Deer Hollow, that's the hardest decision that you're going to have to make. And you're going to have some hard work when you get there. But when you come out on the back end of it, it is well, well, well worth the time put into that. Because we all, you're going to, by the time you get to a place like Deer Hollow, <laughs> you got so much garbage that it, it takes a long time to peel all that stuff back, right? Um, How were you identifying in your brain? Was this, did you realize it was the, the shooting, the problem was because you weren't there and was it because you were the supervisor? Or do you think it would have been the same for you if you'd been just another deputy on that team who wasn't there? I think those, I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, when you supervise guys or you lead guys, I have a lot more investment into that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's me that's out there dealing with it, that's me. I can I'm I'm responsible for myself. But when you're responsible for other folks and bad things happen to them, it it rips your heart out. Um, and I've never been exposed to something like that. And I I love those guys dearly. Um, and for so the record, like, audience, man. that's a leader. That ain't a manager. This is a new concept to a lot of people in law enforcement across this country. I just want to make sure we note that. It's like a unicorn. We found it. That's right. (laughs) But they, like I said, they're they're very, very near and dear to my heart. And um, not being able to help was uh, was trauma. Mm -hmm. And that was that was that was the trauma that got that garbage can to just overflow and, and it just literally would not would not stop mm-hmm. um i remember uh getting off the airplane in salt lake city and i called my wife and i was, I was getting ready to uh walk through the doors to go outside to meet to meet my ride and uh i looked at the doors and i'm like i can't do this i just can't i can get a ticket i can turn around i can leave uh, thankfully she's She's a good woman. She's amazing. And, uh, she's wonderful. She is very amazing. She's a she's she's the love of my life, and she uh, she told me to just go ahead and go. And the the feelings behind that because I know uh, leaving her behind was very very hard. But she's she loves me so much that she was able to let me go to go deal with this. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have to give a lot of credit to the wives that are out there as well, because yes. when you, when your husbands or even uh, your wives have to go off to something like this, the, we don't realize how much that impacts the, uh, the spouses that are left behind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's something I'll chat about with dear hollow as well. Cause they, they bring the spouses in to the actual treatment portion of it as well, which is extremely important for, people going through stuff like that but and you weren't going I, for any substance abuse issues no, this was no. trauma but they do deal with substance abuse 100 percent, 100 percent. they deal with both okay. um and they will say they will tell you the exact same thing that you said you don't have substance abuse without trauma or trauma without substance it's, it's all they, together. they run together they run together and when you can see that it's huge because you see the trauma in the person and you see them covering the you see them covering it with drugs alcohol and things like that 
And you know that person deep down in there is there. They just got so much trauma stacked on there. The only way to to deal with it because they maybe they haven't processed with it or they haven't got the right type of, of counseling. Um, they start in with the substance abuse and that's just a cover sure. for for the trauma. Sure. So Yeah, I don't think anybody um, ever wakes up and goes, Hey, I think I'll become an alcoholic today just for <laughs> yeah. fun or heroin addict or a coke addict. Just you know, it sounds like something fun to do. Now now I might at seventy five, but I'm just saying for most people that's just not right. the way it usually that's works. Not the norm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I got, uh, I remember uh, finally getting through the gate there, and I got my ride, and I ended up at Deer Hollow, and I and I walked in, and uh, <laughs> it was the it was it was a it was a weird feeling because it's just like you have to literally, as a cop, you have to surrender everything you have. Every, you're there's no more control. You, everything is done for you, taken care of. Um, there's no cell phone. There's no TVs. There's nothing. It's just focused on 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 processing with trauma i remember walking to the door and i ran into a guy that i worked with <laughs> that was there and it, it floored me um but things happen for a reason mm-hmm. um god has a purpose obviously yep. and um that helped me out immensely because he was able to kind of ease me into it and, and walk me through some things and i had some very very at the first probably three or four days there were really that's hard really 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 hard how um, long had he been there uh, he'd been there. He was just, he had been there for almost three and a half weeks, I would say. Okay. So and, he really yeah. could walk you through it. Yeah. And that, and that was needed. Um, and I'll be forever, forever, forever grateful for him for that, for, for walking me through that. Cause like I said, this guy's, that's a guy that I had worked with over the years. <laughs> um, and he had his own trauma and stuff too. But, um, I remember him telling me, I'm glad you're here. Um, the last person I thought that would be here, and um, it's important that you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at the time, I'm like, man, why is he, why is he telling me this, right? <laughs> um, so I ended up um, at the Deer Hollow House. I was there for probably, I think I was there for 36 days, but I met some of the most amazing people that God put on this earth. Um, and that's, that's to include their staff and the folks that I was with. Um, I've, I, I have to, I had to get up and tell part of my story, um, during one of the classes that we were going through and it was day two, day three, I can't even remember. And I bawled for, Hmm. I don't even know, I'm going to say probably 45 minutes. Um, and after I was done, mind you, mind you, I don't know these, I don't know these people at all, hardly at all. And one, one of the gentlemen that was there, who's, who's a good friend of mine, walked up and gave me a hug and told me he loved me. Hmm. And that, just that connection there on that, on that level, mm-hmm. uh, when you show that, when you're able to show that vulnerability to people is it changes everything. And the vulnerability aspect of it, I didn't realize how important that was at the time. Um, but when you're able to see that vulnerability to show it, you get it back 10 times more. Um, hey, it proves so, you're human. I hate to break the news to you just in case you didn't human. know. but <laughs> Yes. Um, and I, and I, I heard that exact comment while I was there. Um, but the folks that are there, like I said, I, I can't, I have no words to, to, I can't put it into words how good that place is. Um, how many were allowed in the program? Is there a limit? That I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I know the house that we I was in had 
quite a few folks in, and I'm not sure how many exactly. All first responders, say. military, or um, no? I was very fortunate to to have a variety of folks in there, um, and that was really one of the key things to. And I think it's a key thing for cops in general. Mm -hmm. If you get a if you get a room full of Type A personalities, you're going to have conflict. Always going to have conflict. You're going to listen to traumas and things, but you can and you can relate to them, and that's good. But I think when we as cops can go into a room with people that come from different walks of life, mm -hmm. I think you get a better understanding of trauma and you realize that there's a common humanity between everybody and we separate ourselves sometimes from the, we're supposed to be part of the community, but sometimes through trauma, we're going to separate ourselves. But this kind of brings you back in to it mm -hmm. and it allows you to, uh, see the humanity side to things to see like you know what i i'm not alone because i felt alone when i got there but now i realize i'm not mm -hmm. everybody else that's here has the same problem the same issues um and they're dealing with it and, the, and they're stri and they're they're thriving um but i think having a core group of people that the core group that i had was amazing because i got to see different different aspects i got to see I, there's people i could look at and see myself Mm -hmm. and see my own and see my own trauma come from them and then that allows me to tr process through things um yeah it was uh it was it was a good experience it was very it was the most hard that was the hardest thing i've ever i've ever done in my life the the 110 percent the hardest thing and i will tell people that before if they were to go down to a place like that um very very hard but very very worth it's it's worth it and not a clinical setting like a people think of being locked on a hospital ward for you know trauma no. and stuff it's none of that mm. what uh what type treatments and stuff what did you receive while you were there well the one that i the one that i latched on to the most was the internal family systems the ifs mm -hmm. um it's and i cannot I, I wish i could remember the name of the movie In, inside out have you seen inside out mm -mm. no if you watch the movie Inside Out, it's basically, uh, I don't know how to explain it without telling the story true, telling, telling the story right, but it's about, a, it's about a little girl who's living with her parents, but it shows, the, it shows her perception through her mind, right? So she's got anger she's got stress she's got shame she's got frustration uh, frustration you got a protection all these little parts that are running around up in her head right so that's what that hmm. the ifs portion is so it's all these little parts and i watched i remember watching the video and i'm like this is the, what am i doing this is the <laughs> dumbest thing i've ever seen until the actual therapy started mm -hmm. and then it clicked right so for me for i for the ifs stuff it was very i could relate to it right so if I'm going into a situation, um, I might have if I, I'll just use this as a as like a with my daughter. If mm -hmm. I if I'm gonna have a huge protecting part for her, right? Mm -hmm. And because I want her to be, I want both my daughters to be okay. I want their lives to be great, but I can't constantly protect them. And that my protector part will always come up and protect them to the point to where it's like, Dad, you've got to give me some space, right? Back up, <laughs> back up, right? So. It gets down to the core of who myself is, who self is, right? So I get back to it'll actually break you down to where you get back to self, and you're able to drive your own bus per se, right? So I'm able to make the decision. So if I've got these parts come in, and I can realize it, and I can stop and actually think and be like, you know, 
maybe I need to talk and maybe I need to process this, some, this different, but it allows me to kind of manage those, those parts that come up. Shame, shame's a big one for me. Sure. Um, Guilt. And it's, it's just a way of managing it. Right. So the second part to that was, that's what I latched onto the most, but, but the, the yoga and the, uh, cold water treatments that they that they mentioned that's in there I think that's DBT stuff but those are things that I still do today and I do the cold water stuff every single day if I get home from work and it's been a shitty day I don't care how cold that I, I I get in that water and I sit for as long as I can and it literally just resets your body right that's pretty easy up um, in Washington can, yeah it is it is it's I think our uh, the coldest that I can take it is like maybe 48 Oof. other than I it's that's cold for me but what's interesting is is when you're at your hollow they talk to you a little bit about um a lot about the the sympathetic and the parasympathetic responses that our body goes through when when it encounters stress mm-hmm. um and again i we've talked we talk about it in law enforcement you know we've got like well here in washington you've got different levels you've got like a yellow a green a red and a black right and they kind of break it down for you so black is really bad when you're when your mind just kind of shuts down in situations, which is bad, and you kind of want to be in an optimal zone. Um, they talked a lot about that, and that really, really stuck with me too. Um, but there's also ways to, con- to control that with the cold. The cold water for me was huge because you can feel your body um, amping up, and you feel your, you know, you can get sweaty hands, your face starts turning red, and you can feel yourself going up into that, that sympathetic response, and you want to come back down. Cold water will instantly shut that down and bring you right, bring you right back to it, right, almost instantly. Um, and for me, that was that was big. The other side to that, uh, it allows you to to manage that, the manage that stress. And that's something that when you're going, going, going all the time as cops, we don't slow down and say, "Hey, let's take care of ourselves mentally." We take care of ourselves physically. But the mental side of it, too, is extremely important. And if you have those small little tools that you can implement at an early part of a person's career, they're not going to end up hopefully at Deer Hollow in 15, 16 years because they didn't have those tools to manage that stress properly. Right. And that's I think that's what we have found all over is so lacking (laughs) is there's so much training about the critical incident and the aftermath of it, but nothing in preparation on the front end. And even where courses are supposedly prevention, they're actually intervention. And people don't even pick up on that, which is shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And we got to do a better job of that. And that's one of the things that Under the Shield has been trying to get across and working on for over 30 years. Um, because you got to give people tools going into environments and things that they're going to be exposed to that nobody should have to be, but mm-hmm. somebody has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, because you in a, over a career t- over over a span of say twenty five to thirty years, I mean, how much trauma does one deputy or officer or how much do they see? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 consist it's consistently it never changes. It's always the same. Um, trauma is trauma, and you don't have the tools to bring yourself yourself down from a uh, sympathetic response to it. And then you start to become hyper. The hypervigilance comes in, and and you 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 stay you stay here because you haven't processed that trauma. Well, and you also um, think you're the only one. one. Of the, 
Yeah, you're the only one. And that that's where that common humanity piece came in for me mm-hmm. when I was there is I'm not the only one. But when I got down there, you know, it's just like you feel like you're just you're on an island by yourself. And and they they take care of that really, really quick when you get down there and they, they let you know that you're not and, and all that that stuff. But I uh, met a guy, I met a guy, one of the counselors that was down there. I I I would love to to just go hang out with the guy sometime, but I know it's probably not going to be possible. But um, his name was uh, was Mitch. He was unbelievable. One of the hands down best guys I I ever I have ever had the chance to meet. Um, just a down to earth guy. But he um, taught us what's called Wim Hof. Have you heard of that? I have, but I can't tell you what it was or where I even heard so of it's, it. So it so it's it's a it's a breathing treatment, right? Um and it lasts for you can Google it. If you get it, um go on your phone, you can get the app. Um it's you can get it on your phone. It's called Wim Hof, but it, it works through breathing treatments, right? So it's it's creating that um sympathetic response, but it's allowing you to use your breathing to bring yourself down to back into the the parasympathetic or close to parasympathetic, but it 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 creates a bigger gap mm-hmm. in your uh, window of tolerance. It, it over time it'll actually increase your tolerance le- level, so you're able to tolerate things more, and you're able to kind of flo- float in that zone that everybody likes to float in. Yes, Chris Ferraro was doing this at one time. That's where I heard about this because it, it allows you to even hold your breath longer yeah. over periods of time. Correct. Yes. So we did it. And I, I, I was like, oh, this has got to be bullshit. There's no way this is going <laughs> to, there's absolutely no way that this is going to work. And I was, it, and by the, by the fourth round, I think, I think we were holding our breath for two minutes Yep. and it's not a full breath. It's a half mm-hmm. or a quarter, right. Through the breathing treatments, but the, but the relaxation and the clarity that once you're, once you're done with it, the clarity in your mind and the relaxation that you have when you come out of that, it puts you back into a, a normal state of function. Um, if you've had a stressful encounter or stressful stuff like that, the guys that I work with there that I got within the next, probably, I don't know, two weeks, I talked to them on the weekend. I said, Hey, we're going to sit down and do this. You guys are gonna think I'm crazy. And it's going to sound really weird, but it, it's something that if I could instill that in them, um, even to do, you know, you go where they work out every day. All of them do. Mm-hmm. If you could just plug that in there once every other day or something like that, you're, the benefits from it are going to be huge in the long run. Um, and it gives them another tool to to deal with the stress or the daily encounters of, of being a cop. Sure. Sure. Give them a choice of that or yoga. I bet they'll take that. <laughs> I laugh. <laughs> and yoga, don't I, get I me don't wrong, help. Yoga, <laughs> I was like, I, why am I doing yoga? <laughs> Holy smokes. The yoga the, the yoga instructor that I had down there, great lady. And man, she, yoga was something I look forward to every, I think it was, I want to say Thursdays I had that, I had that yoga, had yoga, but um, amazing. But you just, those are all these, these simple little tools that it, it doesn't take long. And it helps process. Um, since I've been home, we've had, I've had a couple, <laughs> we've had a couple incidences um, where I'm like, I get home and I'm like, I can, f- I can, I can, I can feel where I'm at. So I'm, and, I, and I use all these things to process through it. And it brings me right back down and it processes mm-hmm. and it allows me to continue to work. So. 
uh, you were there 36 days. Is that pretty much the norm or is it longer, shorter? So I did 36 days. Um, I think 40 is the, is the top end, but and, and don't quote me on that because I, I don't work for them. So, but I do know that 40 days, 30, 30, I was there at 36, and then I know they had it up to 40. But then they also have outpatient training too, or, or outpatient treatment as well, which I think is key to mm-hmm. having. Because when I came when I came out, and I and I think back now, if I wouldn't have had the outpatient or that step down from where I just came from. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to plug myself back into uh, the job and life and all of those things is very difficult because you come out you you come out from a protected shell and then you're right back out to where you were at right so now here's all these tools and just deal with it no so they allow me to 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 get back into work but then still continue to do the the uh, it's like it's like breaking me back in and did you to, do that from home or you had to stay in Utah to do that? Uh, I did it from home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Without a therapist or anyone in Washington working with you, this was something that, that you did with them? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's good to yeah. know, too, because intensive outpatient is hard to find, and a lot of places will require a licensed person to do that. But if you can do it, again, through, I assume, through the internet or whatever, wherever you've been in treatment, that would be a huge uh, mm-hmm. opportunity for anybody all over the country to be able to follow on through. Talk to us yep. about the family component. You said the wives are involved or spouses are involved. So the family component, um, I, I think as cops, we tend to forget that uh, <laughs> we think trauma is just for us, right? It's just my trauma. Well, bullshit. It's it's theirs as well. And my wife carries the same baggage that I carry when it comes to trauma. I mean, she's that poor gal's been through some shit herself, too, as well. Um, But when she has to answer the phone or answer the door, um, when somebody tells her your your husband's been in a shooting, I I can't I personally can't even fathom. Mm -hmm. Right. How that feels. I can't. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Um, But she's tough. And I appreciate her for that. But there, after about, I think, one week, one, week two, somewhere in there, I, I'm, and then don't quote me on that, but they bring the spouse in, and the spouse will actually follow you through your trauma stuff. So everything that I'm learning, she's she's learning as well, and she's tracking with me, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll have, we'll get together um, Every, I think it was once a week we would get together with with another counselor and we would we'd have like a this is what we went through today and we we would talk about things and if things came up we could deal with it and work with it and things like that but she's able to track along with it so when I get home I'm not I'm not on a I'm not really or I'm not at a really super high level of just coming back and I've got all these things that I can deal with and then she's below me mm-hmm. right it's important to keep her with me so we can process through together because I don't want to leave her behind mm-hmm because then it's not going to work. What a concept. Right. But yet we still teach in academies. We're <laughs> teaching y'all, don't don't go home and talk to your families about this job. Right. Keep this stuff separate. Yeah, good luck. That ain't worked in 100 years. It ain't going to work ever. Yeah. No, and it doesn't. And it never. It will never work. <laughs> but like you said, the uh the academies and things like that, that's what that's what's taught and that is <laughs> that's how, how I was taught. Still being taught everywhere, yeah. and that's the hard part. 
we got to we got to change that that part of the culture for sure um because we know it doesn't work i don't know why we keep doing it because <laughs> we've always, always done, done it, that, it way. that way yeah i was just thinking <laughs> that too that popped into my head at the same time but um you know and do you see a way to change that even right there in washington have you ever have you had conversations with your post or whoever your uh, governing body is for training have you talked about that with them no is there any point no. to the the we have we're we're pretty fortunate here in washington the uh the the state has pushed through um patrol tactics instru- and patrol track patrol tactics instructing and I, I i can't dive into the whole thing but they did bring in um a portion of called emotional intelligence mm-hmm. where they talk about journaling they talk about breathing they talk about those techniques and they're touching it now so we're fortunate to have that mm-hmm. but i think we need to step it up a little bit for sure on the other side of that and, and you know what i mean yeah and that you know one of the things that and we hadn't even i don't know we talked about it on the last podcast but uh just a couple of weeks ago az post which is our peace officer standards and training uh did approve my garbage can theory and the training around it is now going to be the state standard here in arizona at all academies for all new recruits they have adopted it and we will be teaching it under the shield we'll be teaching four-hour blocks at every academy to every new recruit class so that's a huge step in the right direction i think to getting this where people go okay uh maybe we aren't doing enough on the front end and we're just doing too much on the back end right so i think it's extremely extremely important to have that so we're hoping that can spread through other states as well uh eventually and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Washington will be our next one that we tackle that with, uh, especially after the conference in Idaho in April. Um, and that's one of the things I'd like to try to do while Bob's still in office, because I feel <laughs> like I need to use that sheriff as much as I possibly can. Uh, yeah. What would you say to somebody, though, Derek, who's listening to this, who goes, gosh, I need that. But, man, I, my department will come after me or something. I, I, I'll lose my job. I, I, I don't think they're going to support me going for treatment and that's really hard because i was very blessed with that um i was very very blessed with that so i i i would say do it i i, I you've got to take care of yourself mm-hmm. um and like i said the departments they are what they are and the politics and the money and then all that stuff comes into play which is unfortunately bullshit mm-hmm. when it comes to you should be taking care of these guys because they're 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 doing a job for you that you're not doing yes right um I would say still do it and you still you still got to take care of yourself you, you've given enough take care of yourself if if something else comes down the pipe for that then it is what it is but how, you're taking care of yourself how did you know that you would have that support in your leadership because others had so already I, gone there or how, why were you leadership. not worried about i just have good leader i just have good leadership and that's where it all starts sure it's good leadership sure now did they um, did your department force you to go take FMLA, or did they just let you take, you know, burn your sick time to do sick that? time? Okay. Okay. Yeah, but that's another option for people. Right. The ones that are that really are concerned. That's one of the things that we tell them. We'll, you know, we can help you, or a lot of the treatment centers can get you out on FMLA, where nobody can ask you where you've been for those days right. and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's federally protected, but I also think a lot of times it's just another excuse that people have. And we got to help them get beyond that, right? 
And, you know, I hope if there are any leaders or people who think they're leaders that are managers listening to this show, uh, I hope they'll hear what you're saying because, again, this is – we. Ex- it isn't like these are people that are exposed to this stuff off-duty. The job is creating <laughs> right. it. Workman's right. Comp needs to be getting behind this stuff a whole lot more also yeah. uh, yeah. because it's it's the same as if we exposed them to toxic waste. Right. Yep. We'd cover medical stuff. I don't know why we think this the the mental wellness side of this is any less uh, important. Right. I mean, the job is a machine, and it'll chew you up and spit you out. It doesn't care about you. And so, if you don't take care of yourself, mm-hmm. no one's going to do it for you. All right. Well, our guest had an emergency, as first responders will have on occasion. I think this is the first time we've had yeah. one in the middle of a podcast. But, uh, yeah, so he uh, had to jump off with us here. But, um, you know, I think that the information that he gave is so important. Right. And Deer Hollow is one that we would really encourage people to check out. You know, one of the things he talked about for him, and this is I think this is a huge part of the problem in mental health. And, well, you can jump in on this from the school standpoint, too, is, you know, we have things that are so black and white. It's either got to be, nope, y'all don't need special treatment. You're just like everybody else. Put your pants on the same way. And again, for Derek, that worked to be in there with people who were not first responders in military. But you also got to have the other side of the coin. Right. You got to have both options. Yes. And people can decide for themselves. Y'all really do have decisions you can make here because uh, I know that there are some that would only go to a place like we've talked about in Florida that is strictly a first responder environment you live together eat together do group together and all of that stuff and I know it has been very successful also Uh, but you got to have the flip side to it and that's what we haven't done I think in mental health it's always been peer support and licensed and, again, it's not about eliminating anybody. It's about bringing additional and new things to the table. Um, and so Deer Hollow is one that, again, Derek was very blessed to have leadership that was supportive. And I know that they've sent others there just right. in my conversations with him um, while I was up there. And uh, so, you know, if this is something that you are struggling with trauma, you don't have to be alcohol and substance abuse uh, stuff. But if that's part of it you got to get the treatment for that, too. And a place like Deer Hollow, because we have someone, uh, we only endorse places that we know people who've been there and can speak on it. And Derek has already told us that if this is something that uh, you think you need to go to, he'll be, we can connect you with him to talk about what it's going to look like, just like the person that he ran into as soon as he (laughs) got there uh, was able to to do for him. So what are your thoughts on this, Joel? I think... um I think it's nice hearing about these different either residential or, you know, in inpatient type treatment places um, that have a lot of natural approaches to things. Because I think I think the thing you, you know, either I've seen, um, you know, worked out in the past or whatever, it's a. Uh, it's more of like it's the stigma that you think about Mm -hmm. you know it's getting medicated or whatnot and um it seems like the last few guests you know if they if they've gone to a place it's been more you know just 
breathing exercises or ta- yoga, you know, mindfulness. Yeah, it's a lot of mindfulness type of aspects. Well, they're giving you stuff that you can take with you down the road and do it right. yourself, which right. is huge. Not in a therapist yeah. office. Right. right. And I, I am, uh, I, I personally, I do try to stay away from different types of medications because a lot of those things are once you're on it, you're, you're on it for life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, otherwise, it's you, you see a difference in yourself. Um, we also kind of it, it, having to take medication for it makes you feel like you're sick. There's something mentally ill yeah, wrong, yeah. and there's, that's not the, the case. There's a, definitely like a mental block that you gotta kind of get over with that too. But I mean, it's it's chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's literally changing your body, and you become really reliant on it. Yep. Um, and so I, I personally try to stay away from stuff like that. And I know that it is definitely needed in some circumstances. For some people, yes. Yeah. But but uh, always start on that natural side. Like we can always right. go to prescription. Right. It's hard right. to go back the other way. And so I guess I just admire these places to attack it from that standpoint first. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. And again, that's, you know, and we'll have him back on maybe to kind of finish this up because I'd like to know, are they doing things also um, outside of the breathing and the yoga, are they doing other natural things, you know, right. uh, to help, especially on the substance abuse side? I know that wasn't his issue, but I'm sure he uh, was in with people that were going through mm-hmm. that. Uh, but this is about finding other resources. This is about finding as many places as possible. It's like when we had a higher ground on. Mm. Well, one of our stress coaches and his wife are leaving Sunday to go on that retreat yeah. uh, up in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, and we'll be anxious to have them in right. and talk about it because I, I think that's a to me that's almost a program that you can send people to or encourage them to go to that is early on in careers to help learn some skills and things and the importance of recreational therapy that you can do on your own. Right. It's not the EMDR where you got to be in a therapist office and paying a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, for an hour every week and that kind of stuff. So And they got the families involved, which yes. is really right. nice. Yes, absolutely. I thought that was really interesting too. You have to because as he said, uh, you know, the trauma, it comes home, whether he's coming home talking about it, it's coming home in his mood and everything else. Right. And that was always a big thing with me. When do I get my 30 days? You know, yeah. <laughs> I had to li- live with all of that stuff for nine years. And then he goes off, gets help. And then I, right. what am I supposed to do with mine? And I don't even think there was talk of family uh, involvement, which was kind, it's of, kind of a no brainer. But. Again, I don't think it, a lot of other places that I can think of are specifically designed like that. Right, right. And I, I know that was something that the place in Florida was beginning to look at. I don't know that it, that it became a priority. It should have. Um, and again, my situation was back in 1990. Right. And we were we were lucky there was anything even for first responders back then, much less even the concept of families being involved. So. You know, if you're one of those out there that is struggling with anything, whether it's substance abuse, uh, you know, don't don't dismiss this. If you go, well, I'm not an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever, uh, trauma can impact you in other ways. You, it, you don't have to be the one who's struggling. Let, let's get you before we have to deal with that addiction side also. 
and reach out to us. We'll get you in touch with Derek if this is a place that you feel like you would want to go. Uh, we do have some other places that we do recommend also that we can put you in touch with people that have gone there and um, uh, can speak very highly of the program and how it helped their lives. And it's not about mental illness, gang. It's about <laughs> emptying your garbage can. And so we hope that uh, we'll get Derek back on here again sometime in the near future. Maybe we'll get his wife on. I'd kind of like to have – she's amazing. I had a chance to have dinner with them when I was up there. But let's have her own talking kinda about the family her, side her, of it. Right, her perspective of that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, as we wrap things up here, uh, we just want to remind you that we are here at Under the Shield 24-7. Everything is done anonymously. Again, we don't talk about confidentiality because that's a legal term with exceptions. Uh, you don't have to give us your name, or you can be Bugs Bunny or whoever you want to be. Uh, don't keep notes. Don't keep records of any kind. We're not a referral source. Uh, if we don't have the answers for what's going on with you, we will find them. Because we know it's hard to make that one call, <laughs> much less have to make five or six calls <laughs> to find out what you need. And that is very frustrating for me when I hear about those things. So reach out to us at 855-889-2348. Uh, if you hit extension one, we will not, the stress coach that gets the call will not have your number. Uh, so if we get disconnected, you're going to have to call us back. Stay on the line until someone answers. You will get a stress coach. It's rolling to whoever's the first available. So please, please, please let it ring. Um, if you hit extension two for me, you're going to get my voicemail that I might get this century, maybe. <laughs> if you're lucky, I will. Um, I don't tend to to uh, stay too too tied into that, but I'd rather you reach out on my cell, which is 334-324-3570. Text me if the sun is up. Call me if the sun is down. Uh, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get somebody on the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and the sun's down in their part of the world. It's going to be up in mine, and they're going to be calling and leaving me a voicemail. <laughs> we have listeners in other countries. <laughs> if the sun is up in Arizona, <laughs> you text me. If the sun is down in Arizona, you call me. So you got to figure that one out. Google it. It'll tell you what time it is where I am. <laughs> if you hit extension three, you will get David Cohen, who is a stress coach in Alabama, who who has been with me for many, many, many years. Uh, fires his background, military. His wife also is a stress coach, and she's uh, dispatch and law enforcement. Both retired, so they're very available, as is Tom at Extension 4, who's retired. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Or you can call me on my cell phone at 480-861-6574. You can call him. Again, he's retired. You can call him. <laughs> but please, and families, this is for you as well. Reach out to us. Uh, you don't have to go through your first responder. You don't ever have to tell departments you've reached out to us or anything. But families, call us because you're, as Derek pointed out, you also are exposed to the trauma that your first responders, military, and stuff bring home. So we're here for you. Uh, we appreciate the sacrifices that all of you make as first responders, military, and especially the sacrifices that families make. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Come back to see us next week. <laughs>